Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Good afternoon, listeners, and thank you for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I am your host, Belsis Smalley. And I am your host, Craig Smalley. And this is week five of our show. We're excited to be live on the air with you. Uh, we've decided to challenge ourselves with making the topic of taxes fun and interesting. Uh, we really hope that you will get some good information out of today's show. Yes, today today is something I'm very excited about. Today we're going to be talking about a breakdown of business taxation. So we're live on the air and we're happy to take calls. Uh, the call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Now we know that we're dealing with confidential stuff and a lot of people are at work right now, so uh we tend to get a lot of emails, so um you can always send us an email at info at taxavoidanceslegal dot com. And before we move forward, I just want to stress that the advice given on tax avoidance is legal is general in nature. Craig W. Smalley, EA, and CWSCAPA, LLP, and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on this radio show. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor. Uh, tax avoidance is legal can be found on the internet. We do have a website. It's www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. And on there, you can email your questions to us using our contact us form, or you can send them directly to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com, as Craig mentioned. Um, what we try to do is any emails that we receive through Wednesday, uh, we feature them on Friday's live show. However, I do also check that inbox throughout the show. So if you haven't had a chance to email us throughout the week, if you've been busy and you're just catching us now on the air, please feel free to email us and uh, we will do our very best to get your questions answered. And anything we don't answer on the air today, we will certainly uh, reply to you um, either way and, and get you uh, the answer to your questions. Um, uh, the show is sponsored by CWSCAPA LLP, and it, um, we are a nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services. You can always give us a call at 1-844-CWSCAPA or 1-844-297-3272. And um, for those who are in need of IRS or tax representation, uh, we do uh, that through Tax Crisis Center LLC. It's the nation's premier tax resolution firm. And uh Tax Crisis Center can be reached at 1-855-IRS-2911. So, hey, Bell, spring training is finally over. Oh, and, Lord. Uh, yeah, well, the Dodgers and the Cubs, they're both doing, uh, they're both doing amazingly well. The Dodgers lost last night to the Giants, but the Cubs have, have yet to lose. And when they've won, they've won big. Well, I'm definitely a Chicago Cubs girl. I grew up in Chicago, so uh, they definitely are my faves, um, if if I can call them that. I'm not going to sit here and say I, I'm an avid uh, baseball fan because I'm not, but um, I do love the Cubbies. Um, I'm certain you're you're a little sad about your Dodgers uh, not doing so good. Yeah, but I mean the Cubs that makes up for everything, you know. So you, you know you got two teams you follow, and one does. You know it's 165 games. It's it's kind of like tax season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So exactly. I'm all right with it. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm very glad, and I'm definitely happy for the Cubs. Absolutely. 
Well, uh, enough uh, baseball talk. Craig could probably have his own baseball show and comment on all his teams and all the his lovable loser teams that he likes to follow. Uh, <laughs> I like to tease him about that. Um, but let's begin with uh, today's show. Um, as we were putting our notes together for the show, um, I realized that um, if you're a business, your first tax return is probably quite important. Um, I didn't realize that there are elections that you make on your first tax return that um, have approval, uh, you know, that have to have approval to change by the IRS. So, Craig, can you explain a little bit about your first tax return and all the different important things that folks should keep in mind if this is their first tax return for their business? Yeah, there's a lot of things you have to keep in mind. And, and a lot of people, unfortunately, will do this themselves. What they'll do is, um, and it's something just as simple as selecting a method of accounting. So I'm going to bore everybody for a little bit here, and I don't really mean to, but there are different ways that you can elect to account your income and your expenses. So basically, um, on the cash method of accounting, so you have three things that you can choose from. You can choose from the cash method of accounting, the accrual method of accounting, or a hybrid method of accounting. So on the cash method of accounting, basically income and expenses are are counted upon the receipt of income and payment of the expenses, right? Because obviously you don't want to be taxed on money that you never saw. So um, under the accrual method, uh, it's different. Income and expenses are counted when the right to income and expenses occur. Now, that comes directly from an accounting book. I had to look that one up because I wanted to give you the correct definition. Basically, um, if you have accounts receivable, you haven't received the money yet, you've got to claim the income. If you haven't paid some expenses yet, um, you ha- you can count the expenses. So, And then we have the lovable hybrid method of accounting, which isn't used very often, but um, I thought I'd throw it in there just, you know, why not? Um, income and expenses are accounted on the cash method of accounting, but if you have inventory, it's counted on the accrual method. So have I bored you yet, Belsis? Just a tad. I mean, I know it's important. Uh, it's important for folks to know, you know, the importance of uh, the different accounting methods. Uh, one that I honestly don't see very often, like you said, is the hybrid method. And Well, um, yeah, because hybrid, hybrid is something that's, you know, is kind of goes back a little bit that, you know, that if you had inventory, um, you used to always have to be on the accrual method for whatever reason, and people didn't like that, so there was a hybrid of um, you could count your inventory on the, the accrual and the, uh, the income and expenses on the cash. But let me explain why this is so important. Yes, please do. Yes, this is so important because let's say you're in a business that has no accounts receivable. And a perfect example of that is let's say that you run a daycare center. You don't have accounts receivable. You don't have people that owe you because If they don't pay by the end of the week, you just don't accept their child the next week, right? So what you could do there is you could, you could elect to be on the accrual method of accounting. And what you could do is you could take and you can count the cash as it comes in, as you've received it, because that's, you know, what's happened. But your expenses, so for the next three months, let's say we get to December and we have a little bit of a tax situation for the next three months, 
our expenses can be accrued out. So if we have rent, we can accrue our rent out for three months and we can take an expense for it now. We can take expenses for wages that are owed for three months. So there's a lot of nice things that you could do with with that method of accounting. But it really, really depends on what kind of business you're in. If you're in a business where you have a lot of accounts receivable, where people owe you all the time, Obviously, you don't want to pay tax on money you never saw. So you would, of course, so you would elect the cash method. So it really, really all depends, really all depends on, on your business. That's great. Uh, See, you know, that's funny. Uh, poor Timmy, whose mom didn't pay the daycare, may not have a place to go on Monday, but (laughs) I never thought about it that way. I like that example that you used because folks don't realize that, that, you know, not, not all businesses are the same. They all have different. Uh, no, and th- and that's exactly it. Every you know every business is different. So it's funny every time I do a tax return for somebody in their first year, I've really got to think about their business a little bit. And you know before I do the first tax return, I have a nice long talk with the uh, with the owners of the business, and I ask a bunch of questions, and that's how I determine the method of accounting. I mean, you don't. So you know a lot of times. It's hard sometimes to, you know, people will, and we'll get into this a little bit later, and, um, you know, people will just, you know, just ask you, you know, what's deductible? Well, it depends on your type of business. So, um, you know, it, it's really kind of funny. There is no blanket answer. And if you, if you're dealing with somebody that's giving you a blanket answer, just kind of, you know, that's, that's just not, that's, that's not the best for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I know that there's a lot more to this, um, but I get, we're getting a little close to time for a break here. But when we come back, I wanted to ask Craig, um, how did, you know, how do we use these methods of accounting, um, to avoid taxes? So I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say about that. I want to remind you to call in if you have any questions. You can reach us at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or one 888 463-6748 with your questions or email us at info at taxavoidancelegal.com. And on the other side of the break, we are going to do what we do best, and that's talk about tax avoidance. At Tax Crisis Center, LLC, we solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center, LLC, is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com or visit us on the web at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. 
When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we are discussing a breakdown of the individ- or of the uh, business taxes. And uh, I want to remind everybody you can call in. Our call-in number is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748. Um, you can also visit us on the web at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com or you can email us your questions at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And as Craig mentioned earlier, um, we realize that a lot of folks are at work right now. You may not want everyone in the office to hear you asking a confidential question, so email is a great way to get your questions through. We tend to get a lot more emails than we do callers, so um, feel free to use that to your advantage. Before the break, we discussed the different methods of accounting, and um, we have a couple of emails that that have come in. Um, but before I get to those, I know that Craig is uh, just itching to talk about how we can use these different methods of accounting to our advantage. Um, so, Craig, can you talk a little bit about the different accounting methods and how you can use those um, for tax avoidance? Yes. Yeah. So I'm sorry about that email, but, you know, listen, we, we've got to we got to talk about this because this is this is what I do for a living. This is why I do it for a living. So under the accrual method, we kind of touched on that a little bit. So when you have the right to income, it's income. And when you have the right to an expense, it's an expense. But um, when a client or a customer's invoice income is counted, regardless of when you collect the money, when your company becomes liable for an expense, the expense is counted. So if we really stop and explore this for a second, if you were in a business where you could control your income flow, uh, something like a management company, which would be a subsidiary company of a company that you have, you can control the flow of the money. So there never is an account receivable, or if there is, it's so little, it doesn't matter. You could really boost up your accounts payable, meaning you could take expenses now for expenses that you'll incur pretty much in the next three months or so. And that's a pretty good IRS rule. Now, the, the person that selects cash, they're in a really good position because let's say at the end of the year, you have $50,000 in accounts receivable that no, but then this, these people haven't paid you. Well, the good thing about the cash method of accounting is we don't have to count that as income. So going back to boring accounting day one, we'll all know um, well, I know at least <laughs> that um, that's not how accounting is done. So once uh, once you invoice somebody, you count that as income. Well, on the cash method, and this is only for taxes, you don't have to count that money. And then when you pay when you pay for or become contractually responsible for paying an expense, you can take that expense on the cash method. Now, the hybrid method is something that I don't choose very often, but 
I do every once in a while, but you know that's basically when um, the customer, or the client, uh, pays for an invoice, and the invoice is is counted as income. And then um, when you pay when a when the client pays for an expense or becomes contractually responsible, and I'm saying contractually responsible because if you if you're contractually responsible to pay an expense, you can count that expense without actually taking the without actually paying for the expense by the end of the year and then inventory and i know that i've drone on about this inventory is liable as an expense it's counted what can become liable for an expense when you actually receive it so um inventory is a big deal if you're in retail or something similar to that i used to years ago used to have a lot of clients that were in retail and not so much anymore because retail's kind of gone you know the way of the dinosaur so well, that's all fantastic, but what does all of that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, if you're in business where you have a lot of accounts receivable, like I said, you can elect the cash method of accounting and now count, count the income until you receive it. If you are in a business where you do where you don't have a lot of accounts receivable, but you have a lot of accounts payable, remember the whole contractually obligated thing. Um, you can count those as expenses without actually paying them if you elect the accrual method of accounting. Um, and then, you know, you have to make that election on your first tax return. And it's something that only a qualified tax accountant should choose for you. You really shouldn't be sitting there on TurboTax on figuring out your taxes and figuring out your own accounting method. That's not really in your best interest. It's something you definitely want to have set up from the start, you know, by someone with uh, with knowledge and who can point you in the right direction. Like you said, there have been times we've met with clients and they're just starting out and they don't even know what method of accounting. Um, of you know, course they not. Choose. Of course not. And why should they? I mean, we went to years of school for this. I have years of experience. You shouldn't know that. You should know what you do for a living. And, and I'm sure you knew, know it well. And I have no idea. So, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, that, that you should really have somebody qualified go through. Definitely. Well, we do have some emails. Um, we have an email from Samuel in North Carolina, and Samuel says that he filed his first business tax return himself. Uh-oh. And he elected the cash method of accounting. Um, after hearing some of what you've said, he thinks he should be on the accrual method of accounting. Um, how can he change that? <sighs> Well, therein lies the problem. You have to get approval from the Internal Revenue Service. You have to file Form 3115. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story about Form 3115. Anytime that you elect an accounting method change, you have to get approval from the Internal Revenue Service. But it's not a good idea to file that form. And I'm going to let you know that I've been in practice for 22 years, and I filed that form once when I absolutely had to because well listen what you're telling the internal revenue service when you're filing that form is hey on this first tax return i didn't i didn't i didn't account for my income or my expenses in the correct way so now i want to account for them correctly so then that opens up that first return and go well wait a minute or if you've gone down the road 10 years down the road and you file that well what about all those years that you didn't do it correctly and you want to do it correctly now the time that i had to do it i did it with a very long 10 page 
um, explanation. What had happened was the business had started operating and doing something completely different. So that's why I had no problem filing it that one time. So if it's a situation like that, you want a very lengthy explanation, but really and, and all for, for all intents and purposes, you don't you it certainly don't want to file that form yourself and secondly it it's not really uh and I'm not saying it's definite that you would get audited but it's kind of you know it it, it could be can you talk a little bit about why um the form that that particular form 3115 might flag a return for audit i mean i i'm kind of getting uh what you're saying but i want to make sure the audience understands exactly why it might and again, we're saying might um, flag a return for audit. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, I mean, you're basically telling the IRS that you, for all the years that, that you've been um, in business, you haven't been uh, correctly reporting your income and your expense. And and that's okay to do if you go to them, like I said, the one that I did, uh, you know, the years ago. Um, where they simply, um, they stopped doing one business and started doing another business in a uh, corporation. And the business that they were in, they could only clearly reflect their income and expenses by changing their accounting method. So they did that. So, that um, exactly. Yeah. But if it's something where you're, you went in and you're like, well, this sounds really good. I don't have accounts receivable and I want to, I want to accrue out my expenses for three months and I want to do stuff like that. Don't look, file that. It looks a little shady to the IRS. Exactly. Huh? Yes, absolutely. It does. It looks a little shady to the IRS. It looks a little shady to anybody that would, um, you know, take a look at it. So be very, very, very careful. That makes sense completely. Um, let's see here if I uh, have any other questions that we might be able to answer before our next break. Um, well, I think we may, we may want to wait for the next question until we return back from break because I think, uh, it's something that, uh, you may want to definitely answer then. But, um, let's go ahead and, um, go ahead and go to break. And then when we come back, let's discuss, uh, business expenses. I want to remind everyone that they can call us at 1-888-GO for it or 1-888 463-6748 with your questions, or you can email us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about business expenses. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Come and see what you've been missing. 
Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at one 844 CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about 45000 a year. But with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at one 695 6658 Our website is com or email com. Your success is our business. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Uh, today we're discussing a breakdown of the business tax system and we want to remind everybody they can call us live on the air at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748 or email us at info at Before the break, um, we discussed different methods of accounting and we've been discussing uh, different um, business expenses now that... Um, we're back from the break. I have a question um, that was emailed to us that we didn't get a chance to answer before the break. And this email is from Joshua in Georgia. And Joshua says that he has a company that is a retail company and he has inventory. He looked at his tax return as we were talking and it stated that his accounting election was the cash method. He seems that he seems to remember that if you have inventory, you had to select the accrual method of accounting. What does he do now? So, Craig, can you talk a little bit about what Joshua can do um, now that he uh, has figured this out? And um, he seems to remember you discussed that if you have inventory, you you have to select the accrual. Yeah, yeah, Joshua, you're golden. Um, don't worry about it. A few years ago, they allowed people with inventory to, to select the cash method of accounting. So you're fine. You're good as gold. But you may want to, um, I don't know if you filed the return yet. It doesn't say it says you're looking at it. You may want to really uh, sit and talk with your accountant a little bit about your business, let him know a little bit about it. Because um, cash is usually the go-to for most professionals that 
don't take the time to get to know their client's business. So um, make sure he knows a little bit about your business or he or she. And I'm so sorry. Um, obviously, a woman can be a uh, an accountant. My wife is is a good example of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, you don't want to be in trouble later. Well, I'm always, here. yeah, I'm, I'm always thinking, in, you know, <laughs> me or something. So I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, I absolutely ask, ask them, um, you know, to, to look at your business and make sure that the cash is really the way that, that you want to go. Okay. Now let's talk business expenses. Uh, I know you love this question, Craig. So, uh, let's say I'm in business for myself. What can I deduct? Okay. IRC code section 162 subsection A states in general, there shall be allowed a, de- a deduction. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm reading this. So there shall be allowed as a deduction all ordinary and necessary expenses paid or incurred during the taxable year and carrying on a business or oh trade. Oh my goodness. Oh geez. Okay. Stop. Stop right there. Okay. Folks, I hate it when he goes into quoting Internal Revenue Code. Hey, you asked. You asked. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is that anything ordinary and necessary can be deductible. Yes, that is absolutely that is correct. much easier than quoting a bunch of IRS code and boring everybody, Craig. Come on now. Well, hey, you asked. You asked, so I gave you the textbook answer. If you don't <laughs> want to know, don't ask. Okay, I guess I have to spell it out for you, Mr. Accountant. Now tell me, what is ordinary and necessary, and what does that mean? That's really what we want to know. Well, yeah. See, that's here's here's the problem. So, a lot of people, I'll meet with a client for the first time, and they'll ask me, you know, they'll ask me questions like, you know, what's deductible, what isn't deductible, and you know, things like that. And it really, really, really depends on the type of business that you're in. It really, really depends. So, for instance, I'm going to give you a really good example. If you're a physician. If you're a physician, you run a doctor's office, you're not going to have a lot of money in meals and entertainment expenses unless you're an on-call doctor and you have to be at the hospital or something like that. Um, nor would you have a lot of auto expenses unless you're traveling from hospital to hospital. So, um, it really depends on the business that you're in. But, you know, if you are in sales, obviously you'd have a lot of entertainment and meal expenses because you're taking people to lunch. You're giving tickets away to people. You know, you're doing things like that. And you'd have a lot of auto expenses because you travel to the person that you're trying to, to, to sell to. Now, um, your business, how does the IRS know uh, what business you're in is always the question that I get. Well, on the return, you have to select the NAISC code, which is basically for the Census Bureau, but it tells the IRS and, the, and that that association what business you're in. So, um, Why is that so important, uh, that, that code? You know, why is it so important? It is extremely important, and let me explain. The IRS, if you ever get bored one day, and before you go to sleep at night and you're having a hard time sleeping, go to irs.gov and type in industry, whatever industry you're in, and type in the audit guide. So restaurant audit guide or uh, construction audit guide, and that'll basically tell you that the IRS has different things, different, different uh 
guides on how to audit a certain business and that will tell you what is basically ordinary and necessary because this is the guide that the actual auditor uses. This is what they're trained on and they look at that before any audit. So it'll talk a little bit about your business. It'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, why you do this or why you do the other or why you would have this much expense or why you would have, um, you know, that, that much expense. And that's, you know, before you get into, you know, talking about what's, what's deductible and what's not, well, it really, really, really depends on what business you're in. And that really is always. And, and, um, I also want to add to the ordinary and necessary being deductible. Anything that also enhances your business is deductible. So anything that enhances it, what would enhance it? Well, if you bought a building, if you, um, you know, you did leasehold improvements, you lease an office out, you put some walls in that enhances your business. You know, anything that is uh, ordinary, necessary, or enhances your business. You know, come to think about it, Craig, we've been together for, what, over 20 years. Why haven't I thought about this whole visiting IRS.gov when I can't sleep at night? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea, but I, I tell clients to do it all the time. I mean, it'll put you just, you know, for somebody like me, I love doing it. I love, you know, if I pick up um, a client, I usually will, and I, I haven't dealt with that industry in a long time. I always search the audit guide just to see what's, you know, what the IRS knows and what I should know. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I just got to tell people, uh, you know, anybody who might be listening, this is kind of my funny little joke about Craig is um, one day we are leaving the office and Craig, it's a Friday or something like that. And, uh, you know, I tell Craig, you know what, you've been working so hard lately, you just need to take some time off, just relax. I see Greg, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to take this weekend and just lay back and relax and I see him grabbing a bunch of these boring uh, tax magazines that come to the office and he goes I'm just going to do some leisure reading this weekend and he grabs a stack of the stuff I said is that what you're going to use for your leisure reading <laughs> and, and, he, and he had a serious look on his face like I was nuts like absolutely this is super fun stuff to read and all I was thinking is was that wow Wow, you really love this, don't you? Because <laughs> that's not my idea of leisure reading. Yeah, well, they're, I mean, they're interesting. I mean, you learn things. I mean, you know, look, the, the tax code is so vast, it's so big that you can't, there isn't one person that knows everything. There just isn't. And, you know, it's it's like, you know, for me, it's just a quest for knowledge. It's something and it that... Daily. Exactly. And it does. It does. I spend the first two hours of my day reading what's changed. This, you know, this happened in tax court or that happened in tax court. And, you know, and it's something that, you know, maybe I'm not in that situation now with the client, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. I mean, you know, something you've really got to stay on top of. Absolutely. I totally appreciate that. And I'm glad that uh, you do that. I personally might fall asleep if I read all of that stuff, but Hey, somebody's got to do it, and I'm I'm glad that it's your passion and you love it. So back to the topic. Um, what are some tax avoidance strategies that people can you in, in business could use? Well, you know we're we're talking about it now. I mean, honestly, let's get yeah, let's get back to topic. I mean, um, tax avoidance strategy. The one of the biggest tax avoidance strategies is the timing of income. You heard me sort of touch on that a little bit, and that's sort of done by selecting your accounting method. So. 
Um, we're going to get into uh, talking about something uh, a little bit later called the dual corporate strategy, which is uh, something that uh, we do. And um, but when you can time your income and you can time your expenses, that's the the best thing that you can do. So what you look to do is just you you look to select a method of accounting where you can basically do that, and that's. You know, that's really, really the, the, the best tax avoidance strategy that you can do because tax avoidance is legal. Obviously, that's the name of this show. To evade is illegal. To commit fraud, obviously, is illegal. But, um, to avoid taxes by any means necessary, um, and this is a quote from, from the Supreme Court, um, cannot be doubted. So it's something that, you know, the, but the biggest way to do that is, through the election of your accounting method. And I know we're spending a lot of time on this and I've, as I've been talking, I hear, you know, everybody switching the station, you know, going on and on. But, um, this is something that is so, so very important. It really is. And, um, you, you brought something up that, um, I guess we could talk about when we return from our next break. But in the, uh, I was reading through your book, uh, it starts with an idea since you recently revised it. And I was reading through your revised uh, version of the book and you, you mentioned something called the dual corporate strategy. So when we come back from our next break, can you talk a little bit about that? Is that yeah, but I, yeah, but let me briefly go into that a little bit before we go to break, if that's all right. Is that okay with you, Bell? If we can, we can wait on breaking. Yeah, if you want to go yeah, ahead and talk, just, let's we'll go ahead and talk it. about it now. Well, let's briefly. I'll just briefly touch on it. Are so, you going to tease the audience with a dual corporate strategy tease to come back? Well, from break? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, hey, why not? Why not? Because I've I've already bored everybody. So, <laughs> so basically, here's here's um, the dual corporate strategy. And without boring everybody to death, if you listen to our first show, it was about entity formation, and we talked about S corporations and C corporations. And um, typically, most businesses when they first start, um, they usually start off as as S corporations, and that's great. You know, everything is fine until you start making a lot of money. And, and in an S corporation, let me just back up. In an S corporation, the S corporation itself doesn't pay any taxes. The profits and losses flow to the shareholder to be claimed on the shareholder's personal tax return. But you pay that tax at your personal tax bracket. So let's say that you start making all kinds of money and you're in the 28% tax bracket or the 31 or the 39.6% tax bracket. Well, it's not so great anymore to be um, an S corporation. So what ends up happening is um, we'll uh, form a second corporation um, that's taxed as a C corporation. Now, C corporations pay tax, but the lowest amount of tax they pay is 15%. And what we'll do is we'll split off a portion of the business that you're in now. And typically, we'll split off something like HR or accounts receivable or something that this company does that the other company can pay for a fee. And we'll have that company uh, taxed as a C corporation. So um, we'll, we'll move money from the 39.6% tax bracket or the 28% tax bracket or even the 31% tax bracket over to the 15% tax bracket. So um, that's my little tease. And if you're really interested, we'll, we'll go into it a lot more in uh, detail. Okay. Well, we 
there's our, our, our fun tease uh, on the dual corporate strategy, folks. Um, when we come back, I can delve a little bit deeper into why you might want to do that. But um, when we come back, uh, we're also going to answer a ton of emails that we've gotten. I want to remind you, you can call in 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748 or email us info at taxavoidancesegal.com. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation Revised Edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWSEAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing and we want you to be a part of it. With so many choices when looking for quality investment advice, you owe it to yourself to seek a professional who has your best interests at heart. At J.B. Meridian Advisors, we don't sell products that generate commissions or have hidden fees. Client assets are never locked up in illiquid investments that could take months or years to access, or worse, charge a penalty to sell in an emergency. Our simple structure aligns the interests of our clients with our interests by charging a flat fee based on the assets we manage. As your portfolio value increases, our firm grows. Call J.B. Meridian Advisors now at 877-398-0051 or visit us online at jbmeridian.com. Now, let's get back to Craig and Dulcis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Uh, today we're talking about a breakdown of the business tax system. And I want to remind everybody you can visit us on the web at www.taxavoidanceislegal and send in any questions you might have. You can either email them directly um, to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com or you can use our little handy-dandy form on our website. And there's even an option there for you to check if you want to remain, com- you know, want to keep it confidential. We don't have to give your name. Um, but definitely send us your questions because it's really helpful to see, um, you know, what folks out there are uh, wondering about and have uh, have an expert give you some advice. Yeah, and typically, typically the question that you have is a question that somebody else has. I mean, I've, I've found that to be uh, to be common. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love answering questions. So, 
He sure does. Um, before we went on break, Craig uh, gave you a little tease there with the uh, dual corporate strategy, and um, and I you know it is something that is near and dear to his heart, and he loves to talk about. So, Craig, was there any other points uh, that you wanted to bring up about this, the uh, dual corporate strategy? Yeah, so basically we were talking about um, individual tax brackets and, you know, what happened to them in 2012, um, you know, right around the time the Affordable Care Act came in were there were different taxes that, that started getting added. And, and then we, the highest uh, personal tax bracket used to be 35%. Now it's 39.6. And there were different taxes that were added. If you make more money, there's the excess Medicare tax that you have to pay now. And there's the net investment income tax you have to pay if your income's over $250,000. So um, in doing that, you, you start paying a lot of money in taxes. So um, we came up with this this dual corporate strategy, like I said. And you know what we do is if somebody is in an S corporation, we'll form a C corporation, we'll break off a portion of their business, and we'll pay that new business for its services, which is perfectly okay to do. It's, it's providing a service. And um, we pay it. So you basically have a management company or you know something similar to that, and then you you pay this company. And this company is a C corporation. And the good thing about C corporations is they can end anytime you want them to the 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 month. So um, what I like to do is set them up to end sometime in September or or at the end of June or something similar to that. So. Um, you know, um, and then what you can do in December is you can always pay over more of a management fee and, and all of that. So, um, there's a lot of things that you can do in the dual corporate strategy, but, but it's something that you want to do later. Okay. Definitely, uh, something that I, I know I found really interesting and I know that, that you use it quite a bit whenever it, it's, uh, warranted or when it can benefit the client. So we do have a lot of questions, Craig, so I wanted to kind of go through these and see if we can answer as many as possible before the end of the show because we don't have that much time left. Um, So Jill in Richmond says that she formed an LLC in 2015. What tax form does she have to file? And even if she just had expenses, does she still have to file the return? You know, that's a very, very good question. And this is a question that I get asked a lot. So we get that a lot when people form corporations, you know, towards the the end of the year or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really good question because it's very, very, very simple to, to go to LegalZoom or even do it on your own and form an LLC. And most people will tell you, you want to be an LLC, you want to be an LLC. And what's, you know, you'll ask them, well, why did you choose LLC over corporation? They usually don't know. But um, one of the reasons is because an LLC is very flexible. They're different than corporations. Corporations are very um, matter of fact, you have to do meeting minutes and things like that, and you have to follow certain stipulations and stuff like that. But LLCs are very flexible, and they've really picked up around uh, the U.S., and people form them all the time. Now, the problem is, is um, going to your first year of an LLC, an LLC, 
um, can be a horrible tax situation for you if you let it be. So if you form an LLC and you're one person and you do absolutely nothing but form the LLC and get an employer identification number, your tax is a sole proprietorship, which is the worst way to pay tax. So yeah. you've got to pay the self-employment tax, the income tax. Now, if you're an LLC and you're in your first year, you can also elect to be taxed as an S-corporation. So you can file the S-corporation return and you file the election to be taxed as an S-corporation with that return. Um, you're filing it late, saying that you meant to do it uh, you know, in the beginning and you went off and you did that. Now, um, obviously, we had talked about you know, your first return is is very important because of the method of accounting but if you just had expenses in your business um you know Jill the question would be you know did you was there a pursuit of income there so you can't just file a return and just have nothing but a bunch of expenses and you mm-hmm. do that year after year after year because there's something there's something in the internal revenue code called the hobby loss rule and basically what that is is somebody that files year after year after year with nothing but a bunch of expenses. And the IRS will always say that they'll come back after about three years or so and say, wait a minute, this is a hobby. There is no aggressive (laughs) pursuit of income. And that's important. There has to be an aggressive pursuit of income. You have to show that you're advertising, you're doing something, but you'll be shocked at how many times I'll see a client for the first time and, you know, and every time I see a client for the first time and, and I know they hate doing this, but I always ask for the last three years tax returns because those are some of the things I'm looking for. Are we really in a business or is this a hobby? Is this something that, um, so yeah, Jill, even if you have expenses, um, depending on what those expenses are, you have to file the return. So, um, talk to an accountant. Uh, we're past the time for, an S corporation that was April that was March fifteenth, but um, you know maybe in your first year it wouldn't matter. You have some expenses, so maybe you could file as a sole proprietorship. But talk to an accountant because I'll let you know what you can deduct and what you can't. Because some of those may be startup expenses, some of and those are recovered differently than actual expenses. So um, sorry for the very long answer, but that was not a simple answer. As you uh, that was not a simple question as you may think it was. It really mm-hmm. was. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to, to take into consideration with that first uh, first tax return. We have uh, quite a few more questions. Let's see if we can get a few more in there. Um, Rich in Nevada wants to know if you can briefly explain um, how a holding company works and do you recommend them? It depends. It really depends. So basically what a holding company is, is if you're in, in a business that has a lot of assets, um, Perfect example is you are somebody that's going to buy a bunch of rental properties and rent them out. And when I say a bunch, two or three, what you would do is you would form two companies. You would form one LLC that just ran the, uh, the rental companies and, and what that, uh, rental company would do is just collect the income and pay the expenses and all of that. And then you would form another LLC that would just hold 
the uh, the assets that they would just hold the, the the homes or the apartments or the office building or whatever it is that you're renting out. Now, the reason why you would do that is that's asset protection. That has really nothing to do with tax. You're doing that to separate the assets from the business. So if somebody sues the business, they just sue the, the business and there's no asset. So um, would I recommend that in the right situation? Absolutely, I would recommend it, but not for your everyday person just starting a company, but in the right situation, absolutely, I would recommend a holding company. Well, hopefully that answers the question for Rich in Nevada. We have an officer in Nevada, Rich in Henderson, so we, we love Nevada. <laughs> we love Nevada. Okay, we have a question here from Kim in Los Angeles. Uh, she's got an interesting question. Let's see, and I know we get asked this a lot. What is the difference between an S-Corp and a C-Corp? Craig, one of your favorite questions. Well, I, I kind of answered this. I touched on it, but I guess I can go into detail a little bit. Basic, well, I'm not going to go into that much detail because I'm not going to bore you to death. But basically, just the an, basic, the basic, yeah. Basic, basic. Well, you know me; I'll go into too many details, and you know, well, we only we'll have about four or five minutes, so you got to squeeze it into that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, basically, an S corporation doesn't pay any taxes, and a, and a C corporation does. That's the difference. Um, the downside to a C corporation is you have double taxation. You probably have heard that. Somebody has said that to you in your lifetime. And that what that means is um, if the corporation, if the C corporation makes a profit, it pays tax. And then if you take money out of the corporation, you pay tax again on your personal tax return. That's what's known as double taxation. With an S corporation, you don't have any tax. The S corporation doesn't pay tax. The profits and losses flow to you. So you only pay tax on that money one time. So um, there's a lot more to that, though. But that's the basic answer. Sorry there, uh, Kim. I've cut him off. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time, but we can we can definitely email you back, Kim, and give you a, a longer uh, answer if you'd like. Um, I think we uh, might have time for one more quick question. Let's see here. Uh, Michael in Des Moines says that he has an S corporation, and his accountant keeps telling him that it's okay for him to just take distributions. But he oh. came across yeah, that doesn't sound like good advice. He came across an article that you wrote, Craig, about reasonable compensation. Does he have to pay himself reasonable compensation? Absolutely, positively, yes, you do. Yes, yeah. Now, um, the reason why, I, and that's funny, it's, it, it's nice. I've written five or six articles on reasonable compensation that got picked up nationally, which is kind of nice. But, yeah, reasonable compensation in an S corporation is the reason why S corporations are audited. So, if uh, if you're getting an audit notice from the Internal Revenue Service on your S corporation, nine times out of ten, it's over reasonable compensation. So basically, what is reasonable? Well, that's the sixty four thousand dollar question. Nowhere in the Internal Revenue Code will it tell you what's reasonable for compensation. So what you do is is or what I do is I look to what tax court has said is reasonable. So there are many tax court cases on what's reasonable, what's not. But basically, whatever you do for a living, there's a norm in the place that you're at. So you're in, where were they from? Des Moines. So you're from Des Moines. Um, so whatever you do for a living, somebody there does the exact same thing. 
Find out what they make, and that's reasonable. So um, <laughs> that would be reasonable compensation. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just telling you what the court would tell you. So no, that's I'm, what the court. That's exactly what the court would do. Is they would they would bring in an expert, and and the expert would say, well, this is normally what this person will get paid, and you better have that much in reasonable compensation. But just to take distributions is a ticking mm-hmm. time bomb. If yeah. you haven't been if you haven't been audited yet, thank your lucky stars because it's probably coming here pretty soon. And then when you do get audited, thank your accountant for that fabulous advice he gave you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh man, that that was that was eye opening. But anyway, um, we we'll, we're pretty much at the end of our show, so uh, I don't know if we'll have time for any more questions. What uh, do you think, yeah, Craig? one more. Yeah, one more. more. Question? Yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, well, this will be our final email of the day. Then it's uh, I think it's fairly quick. So. Chloe in Birmingham wants to know, when incorporating a name uh, in a state, does that protect it um, from someone else incorporating the same name? Uh, let's see here. Her question is a little hard to understand. Uh, when incorporating a name in a state, does that protect someone from incorporating the same name? Does it protect the name from ever being used? Question mark. Okay. Well, there's, there's two things here and I gotta really, really make this quick is, yeah, so for instance, if you're in the state of Florida, you wanna call yourself XYZ Incorporated, there can only be one XYZ Incorporated in the state of Florida. So if I go to form a corporation and call it XYZ Incorporated, the state will kick it back saying I can't use that name. That does not protect your name. So in Nevada, I could form a corporation named XYZ Incorporated and I can do business here in Florida with the name XYZ Incorporated. If you want to protect your name, trademark it. Go to the trademark office, spend $300. I know there's trademark lawyers out there probably going, hey, call it. yeah, they'll charge you thousands of dollars. But honestly, in the, at the end of the day, a simple trademark is three to four hundred dollars and you trademark the name and then nobody across the country can use it that's that's how you really protect your name Mm, that's really good that's a really great question actually i'm surprised we don't we don't get that more often but um that definitely is going to have to do it for today so if there's any other questions that have come in we will be sure to answer each one of those individually um and again, um, remember to visit us at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. Email your questions throughout the week to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And tune in next week when we discuss the topic, the importance of year-round tax planning. If- oh, that is a perfect topic for April the 15th. <laughs>